Welcome to the Really From podcast, where we talk about culture, creativity, and breaking down that question, where are you really from? Welcome everyone to the Really From podcast. My name is Chris Lee Rodriguez. I play in the band Really From, and today I have a special guest. Um, he is uh, a longtime friend of not only me, but the entire band. Um, you might know him from his solo project, You Look Gauntly. Um, you might know him from his latest project. He just released uh, Kind Bean. Uh, please welcome uh, Mateo Garcia to the pod. Thanks for coming, Mateo. Hello. What the? How's it going? <laughs> it's going good. How you doing, man? Doing good. Doing good. Hanging out, you know, enjoying the last bits of, of quarantine, I suppose, before yeah. the world gets back. We're getting back, baby. Um, yeah. I also wanted to start with uh, <laughs> and tell you this a, f- a funny story that I have between the two of us is one time we played a house show together. Uh, I think you opened up with a solo set, and then we were playing afterwards. This was like in 2016, I think. And nice. I have you. I think you opened up or something, and then I was walking down the stairs to get ready. And as I was walking down the stairs, uh, it was like in a basement. This guy passed me by me. He was like, "Hey, really good set, man." And I was like, "What?" And he was like, oh, yeah, didn't did you I just play? I remember that. Yeah, he was like, did you just play? I was like, nope, I haven't played yet. I was like, oh, Dude. okay. Which is really so funny because we don't really look alike. I think we had a similar hairstyle and yeah. we were like slightly brown. So but that's it. Like, you didn't exactly. even wear glasses either. And I, I don't. Glasses. Dude, I remember that. That was great. Yeah. Very, very weird, but very kind of like representative of the experience of being in like diy at large i suppose yeah very good experience in boston too i thought that was the funniest moment like i'm not mad but it's just really funny that he's like yeah together like eh, don't really look too similar um, yeah dude but I-, I want to give you a chance to introduce yourself too and mention anything that i might have left out in your intro. no um yeah my name is mateo garcia my pronouns are he him um, I've been in a bunch of bands around Boston for a long time. Um, my current ones are Gauntly and uh, Kind Being. And I'm, I don't know if I should say this, but I'm technically in a pop punk band that will be <laughs> announcing sort of soon. Nice. Um, keep that mysterious for people out there. But uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm a sound engineer. I do sound at the gigs. That's kind of been my spiel for like a long time. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I remember way back when twenty it was 2012 for me at the end of 2012 when i oh. got to berkeley and boston and then i very vividly remember having found you guys like kind of that summer eichel giants your old band and then uh i saw dylan handwrite at a gig and then kind of just like introduced myself and then since then just kind of always been around y'all and we've been close now you know for a couple of years and it's great yeah, that's crap. And for people who are listening, they don't know this, but you're wearing a great grandpa shirt, which is Dylan yeah. Wright's uh, current band. Um, but yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I feel like because you were in uh, Hit Home, right? Yeah, yeah, of course. The the classic trying to be in a math rock band gig. Yeah. yeah. Yo, for you know what's funny? Uh, so I follow uh, this guitarist who goes, she's go, she goes to Berkeley now. Um, really good, like jazz guitarist and stuff. I found her through like, like the Instagram thing and like she does stuff for like uh D'Angelico guitars. Um but I was Damn. like on her I was scrolling through Instagram and I saw that she started a math rock band and played her first gig in a basement in Alston and I was like wow this is flashback city right now. I know. I know. And yeah that I don't know. I have such 
crazy feelings about that entire time because it was great. You know, it was an awesome time and that's exactly what I wanted to do. But also being at Berkeley is so singular in the sense that like yeah. whoever's next to you is better at this than you are, you know, or at least that's the feeling that you get all the time. And uh, yeah, I, I kind of gave up on that dream of being techie and like doing weird stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's it's interesting too because I feel like when you're at Berkeley, you're like you trying to push the boundaries of like of that technical side. Like you you gotta play in nineteen eight or you gotta try to do like some atonal stuff. And then at a certain point, you get to an age where you're like, I just want to do what I want to do. Yeah, I mean, it gets it gets like not only complicated to play, but like it gets uh, to my ears. Like you get tired of it. You know, yeah. it, it's hard to follow. Um, but at the same time. I think there's, you know, value in it if you can do it right. Like, there's a lot of bands that I like these days that are kind of, you know, just being crazy and pushing the envelope. Like, yeah. Zach, our friend Zach Weeks just did that record for The Armed, and that yeah. record is absolutely bonkers. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. I think it's, yeah, before it used to be, like, how many notes can I play, how fast? And now yeah. it's more like, can I frame this in a, in a way that it's, it punches you, you know, or, like, it reaches you? Exactly, exactly. There's like a certain artistry, which is a focus now, it wasn't back then. And at the same yeah. time, there are certain like math rock records I listened to in the late 2000s, early 2010s that are like nostalgic for me now. Absolutely. Like, yeah. So interesting. Yeah. And I guess we can get into it a little bit later, but like it, math rock was really kind of like the gateway for me. I, I suppose mm -hmm. like it started with kind of like metal, but then landing on yeah. math rock for like most of high school and then college, it really ended up dictating kind of who I hung out with and like, you know, it formed kind of a niche group of me and my friends back in yeah. Florida. And um, yeah, it was just, it was just super weird. Cause like, I guess growing up in Florida, you're not really surrounded by anything relating to the Midwest. Right. Or like right. anything. It's the, the exact opposite. Of, yeah. It, the experience is very different, but somehow, you know, finding that sound was like, oh, I totally relate to this. And, you know, yeah. for as long as I can remember, I've been trying to be emo my entire life, you know, and <laughs> yeah. that's really funny. But I, I suppose the thing I should mention is that um, I was born in Colombia okay. and I grew up there when I, until I was like seven or eight. And then I moved to El Salvador for a few years because of my oh. dad's job. And then because of my dad's job, we ended up moving to Florida when I was in like fifth grade. So I, the context of like, math rock and like i guess just indie rock in general was very kind of like outsider for me you mm. know um growing up in colombia you listen to like whatever's around you you know like we right. had great artists like shakira juanes and like a bunch yeah. of other stuff and like the it's you know heavily influenced by latin rhythms and everything else um but for some reason my brother showed me you know green day when i was like very young yeah and then that started kind of this pursuit of like i love this sound i want to get to know this culture more and then when i landed in florida i was like, oh damn like i think i found it like there's shows here you know there's a local scene you know things that i didn't really get to experience in colombia or el salvador necessarily yeah so yeah very uh the that kind of like musical influence definitely shaped kind of a lot of where i ended up i suppose yeah, that's really cool. That's a good segue to uh, the first question I ask all our guests on the pod. 
Um, and especially now that we have that framework of you living in like Latin America before coming to the States, uh, is, um, what is the first or most memorable time you've been asked the question, where are you really from? If you've been asked that question before. Totally. Um, I don't remember like a very specific one, but I remember it happening so much that my usual, I have like a very specific script that I follow Mm. when I'm introducing myself to someone. And they ask like, where are you from? And I'm like, oh, I'm from Colombia, but I grew up in, in Florida. And I kind of um, omit the El Salvador bit just because I feel like it would confuse people a lot. Yeah. Um, but they kind of get the gist. So like, they're like, oh, you know, you're Hispanic in some way and you're also American in some way. Um, yeah. People get really thrown off because in El Salvador, I had to take English lessons mm-hmm. and I went to kind of like an American-ish school. So mm-hmm. my English is very you know, flat, like kind of yeah. unaccented in any way. And then, but um, something that I picked up from, from this podcast is the, the concept of uh, like code switching or, yeah. you know, and I realized that I don't get to do that too often because of, you know, ending up with like the indie rock scene and like a lot of like whiteness yeah. in that. Um, but whenever I'm talking to my family, I'm, you know, completely speaking Spanish and like my accent is totally like, you know, what it was when I grew up. Um, I'm from Bogota, so it's like kind of a Mm. very, um, it's like very proper Spanish. Yeah, I have a lot of Colombian kids who are from uh, uh, Medellin. They're like a lot of students from there, and they there's like a beef between Bogota kids and Medellin kids. They're like, oh my god, Bogota kids, they just speak so posh, and they think they're so much better than us. Oh my god. And then I remember yeah. I was talking to my friend for Bogota. I was like, oh my god, the Medellin people, they're just like, so uh. And I'm just like, this is so interesting seeing like a beef between cities in the country. Yeah, it's super, super weird. And um, it was really confusing for a while, because like when I landed in Florida, I grew up in a town called Weston, and it's like this like very like middle class upper middle class town Mm. um but it's heavily populated by colombian people venezuelan people um and uh, a big jewish american community that sounds like like florida yeah it was kind of this weird meld so like when i went to school i you know saw kids like me you know and there was a big like kind of spanish-speaking community as well but at the same time you know we get kind of like this harsh contrast with like a very Jewish American community and like um so like the like the starkest kind of contrast was you know like I I took the bus all the time to school like my entire time there and yeah it was somewhat common in that town for uh like kind of white kids getting not only a car when they're 16 but getting like a BMW or like a Mercedes And like it was, it ended up being kind of this ongoing joke where like by high school, like some of the students had totally better cars than the teachers. And wow. it was, yeah, it was just super weird. Was there a lot of the um, Jewish American kids? Yeah. Cars? And like it also like that town also housed, uh, who was it? Dan Marino, I suppose. Mm. So there was like sections of the town that were like very well off and yeah, um, yeah just kind of like a rich weird yeah. vibe relative to like the major cities like miami and tampa and orlando where is it right florida? so i am an hour north of miami okay. and i am like a half hour inland from fort lauderdale so it's like kind of the oh, same okay. level as fort lauderdale but just like yeah 
you take a left and I'm like kind of in the middle of the state. Okay. But it's technically South Florida, South Florida. So okay. I'm like three, three hours South of Orlando, which is yeah. what kind of deep uh, down there. Yeah. Okay. So again, I've only the farthest in Florida I've ever been is Orlando. Um, I've never been uh, South of that. I've never been to Miami. Uh, but I feel like I, I, I had Jaron who's from, uh, I think he's, I think yeah. they're from uh, uh, Miami. Um, they're from and- like around like the, Pembroke Pines Davy area, which is like super close to where I grew up. And oh, right. I used to see I used to see Jer at shows all the time, you know, way back when they used to have a ska band called I think it was Funkman's Inferno. Um oh, wow. it was really yeah, that's a very sick fun. name. I know, yeah. But I feel like South Florida isn't the South, but once you go more north, it feels more like the American South. Do you, is that Absolutely. true? Is that yeah? Because right? in when you go down to Miami, you get a lot of like the classic like Cuban influence and like yeah. you know a lot of the Caribbean kind of experience. But then when you get closer to like I would say the Tampa area, closer to like Georgia, yeah, um, it starts becoming more of like the classic American South. Um, yeah, where it's like a lot of I guess just white people really. That's interesting, and I feel like people from Miami. Like I have a friend. Uh, I actually have two friends from Miami and one I just like you meet her and she's like you always think that she's like a New Englander because just she's very like chill but I met this other girl uh, who's from Miami from Colombia um, I don't know if she was born in Miami or uh, she's from Colombia but she has like almost like a, a accent still I feel like that's very common yeah. to live in the city kind of have like the Latinx uh, accent rem- remnants when they speak English. Yeah, because it's it's a big melting pot of like communities down there, you know. Um, but yeah, it is like very starkly different from like the kind of American, you know, clean yeah. accent, you know. Yeah, because like, yeah, I don't know. It's just a big his, like Latinx, you know, experience down there in, right. in South Florida specifically. Yeah, that's real. So when you're in El Salvador, you said it was an American school. So they like uh, and you, that's where you learn English. So English. So that's uh, where you feel like you have like got that neutral American accents. Absolutely. Yeah. That was a really weird experience because when we moved there, El Salvador was a like a distinctly kind of uh, I would say kind of a poor country or maybe that's mm. not the right way to put it. But, um, you know, we were middle class in Colombia. And then when we got there, we were like kind of high class in El Salvador, mm. which is a really weird experience for me. But my dad worked for a bank. So like it was yeah. kind of like that experience. Um, so we got to see kind of a lot of like the, like to the two sides of like an entire community, you know, like a lot of poverty and then a lot, a lot of people well off. And yeah. um, the, because there was such a kind of influence from the people that were well off, they, uh, the school that I went to kind of prided itself in being very American based, yeah. you know, like they had a, a very strong curriculum that was, you know, related to like the curriculums in here in, in America. Right. And they, you know, taught us, we had a specific English class and like that kind of stuff. Mm. Um, I remember a lot of teachers there were actually from like various parts of America and they kind of like came to live in El Salvador and taught at that school. Oh, wow. Yeah. I feel like, yeah. Some, uh, Tiffany, my, my girlfriend, she was, her dad was in the Navy. So she, lived all over she lived in spain for some time and then italy sometime and she was talking about like the same thing just like you go to school and it's like american curriculum there's teachers there but for the military people so i feel like that's yeah kind of a similar experience totally yeah and and it's yeah it was just super weird you know because um i guess another big thing of this entire experience for me is that 
growing up in Colombia and in El Salvador, you kind of get this uh, almost like a the image of America taught to you, you know, that mm. it's like the land of dreams. It's a land of freedom and like anything is possible there. So you kind of like almost like idolize it from, you know, from like a very young age or you're taught to kind of like help yeah. hold it to like this high status. And um, that was only more reinforced with like the movies that we would see, you know, mm. and like we would get kind of like the the blockbusters, you know, from America. And like that's kind of what was the hits, you know. Yeah. Um, Do you feel like you learned English more from like school or from like absorbing pop culture, like from like movies um, and music? It was definitely both because I around the same time was when I started listening to like my own like kind of bands that I liked as opposed to like the bands that my brother yeah taught me to like and um i found like taking back sunday through a friend back then mm-hmm. and like that was huge for me um what year so is that it was kind of, like 2003 oh man four that yeah that must have been around 2004 yeah okay. yeah because because i remember finding it kind of very close to when i moved and i moved in 2005 um but yeah it was it was definitely a combination of both like in school being taught like the proper grammar and everything and then from music and movies you kind of get like the the slang and the kind of like attitude behind the English. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which is, it was super cool. Yeah. It was super, I guess, helpful because by the time yeah. that I got to Florida, I like blended in very easily between like all my Hispanic friends and all my American friends. Yeah. I was wondering if you could talk about that a little bit more about your experience, like going to school once you came to the States uh, first, if the perception that you were fed when you were, in El Salvador and even like in Colombia, if it was fed there of the States, how was that in contrast to uh, what you actually experienced and uh, how you felt like that had an effect on you in your own identity if you were forming it as like an indie rock or emo kid uh, and especially in a school that's like diverse where there's like uh, Latin American people and uh, white people as well. Totally. Yeah, I think... Um... Like, I very distinctly remember feeling like growing up in Colombia, you're kind of taught to, like, be very aware. You know, it's a it's sort of always been an unsafe country to some degree. Yeah. Um, so you, I wasn't very used to, like, walking around on sidewalks to get to places. You know, we yeah. would drive and kind of, like, do that thing. Um, same in El Salvador. Um, so when I got to Florida, you know, you're sold that, like, everything is a safe place like everything is great and it was the first time I got to like bike to school in elementary Mm. school and I was like wow this is a completely new experience and like I feel super safe you know like you kind of get you know sunk into this like very uh it's it's more like a bubble you know yeah um and specifically in that town that town was built in like the 90s oh Um, wow so it's like very recent and uh, all the houses are made out of like heavy cement. So they're like able to withstand mm. like heavy hurricanes and stuff. Right. Um, so that was really weird. Cause like, you know, you kind of get, you have this idea of America and then you get kind of reinforced with it that like, Oh yeah, it is a safe place. And like, everything does look cleaner and better than, you know, where you were before in Latin America. Yeah. Um, so it, that was like that kind of thing. And then when I, started finding bands that I really liked around like fifth grade and sixth grade, it started becoming kind of, I wouldn't say like an identity crisis, but I noticed that I was splitting kind of like in half in a certain way Mm. where at home I would still have like that big 
Colombian influence and listening to like Colombian music and like yeah. different artists. But when I was at school and I, when I was alone, I would really gravitate towards like the emo bands, like Taking Back Sunday, My Chemical yeah. Romance, like all like the, you know, the neon wave kind of stuff. And um, when I kind of got the choice of like, you know, finding my own group of friends, like I, when I got there, I was very close to like, you know, friends that were just like me, you know, yeah. people that were Hispanic and like, you know, looked like me and kind of understood where I was coming from. Yeah. But then throughout middle school and high school, I gravitated towards um, people that shared my like same interests, like musically kind of stuff. Yeah. And like up, same with movies, you know, I love horror movies and I've loved yeah. like silly movies for like a long time. So like friends that I could relate to in that sense. And thankfully, because it was Florida and Weston specifically, I ended up with like kind of a varied group of friends. Yeah. Um, so some were like Hispanic and then some were American and like um that was like really cool. But at the same time, I noticed that like my, let's say like kind of Colombian identity wasn't necessarily very present mm. in like my day-to-day life at school. It's real. Um, and from like middle school to high school to college, I think that just started splitting more and more, um, yeah. especially because in high school you get, you know, the classic, like everybody's in a clique, everybody's in yeah. like a group of friends. And yeah. I found that the Hispanic kids were kind of like exclusionary. Uh, mm. They like didn't want to talk to anybody that wasn't speaking Spanish to them. And mm. I felt very awkward, you know, being in a in a conversation where someone's trying to speak Spanish to me, but the third person doesn't understand Spanish. Mm. So I think, you know, the neutral ground should be English because like yeah. the three of us know it. Um, so that was very weird, you know. And then when I got into the DIY, you know, it was a lot of diverse people but we largely were all kind of into the the english emo kind of kind yeah. of scene you know and that's largely largely influenced by white culture you know yeah um and that's something that i didn't really think about until i got to college where again i found people that were in cliques but i also found a lot of like international students who were like people coming in directly from colombia or from spain or like argentina and stuff like yeah. that and they were uh, kind of a different vibe because like they weren't necessarily trying to be in a clique. They were just like, I'm new here and I don't know anyone. And I just, you know, want to get together with the people that share my interests. Yeah. Um, so that was cool. But then I, I dug myself kind of deep into, again, kind of like a white culture by not only yeah. liking indie rock, but liking math rock which yeah. no one likes, you know, <laughs> it's, it's such a specific, it's such a specific genre. It's only it for the nerds. A, yeah. And like, yeah. So <laughs> it, it getting into that so deep was very strange and it wasn't mm. really until kind of like finding, you know, I kill giants and like other bands like that, that I started seeing, you know, people like you were like, we're Brown and you're, yeah. we're into the same things, you know? Um, but then, I feel like after college, I kind of realized that I was dis like there was a separate separation between, you know, my Colombian kind of upbringing and influence and like the upbringing that I gathered from yeah. the music and like the DIY scene. Yeah. Um, so I at some point started trying to kind of bring that back and like meld it together. Mm. Um, so my, so with Gauntly, the record that I'm currently working on that I've been working on for like five years at this point or something, oh. um, has kind of more of like a, 
a meeting of both where like yeah. you can kind of tell there's like a latin influence in some of the beats um but the guitar work is still kind of like indie rockish you know kind of yeah. like mathy but like understandable um so it i feel like that had to be a conscious choice you know yeah. so that's kind of been more of a conscious choice and i guess it's now i guess now that we're recording i should restate that I'm I'm starting a band that I started in 2018 with a friend yeah. from Florida and we just recruited our friend Ryan uh, yeah. to play bass and that band specifically is going to be like the ultimate kind of oh, merging cool. of the two because like it's coming uh, he's from I want to say damn I don't I don't want to get it wrong but he's Hispanic as well okay so we we come from a very similar background of like very similar upbringings and then yeah. a very similar shift into math rock and into like nice. the DIY scene yeah. so that one whenever it comes out is going to be hopefully more representative of the melding of the two influences for me um, which is also going to be funny because uh the whole shtick of that band is that it's gonna be a series of like concept records technically oh nice where like the story is like a pretend story of uh, a character you know who skates that's their whole oh. thing they're you know they're into skating but they're growing up in florida and stuff sucks so they decide to move to the you know northeast oh, wow. uh, very similar to both of our experiences you know because oh, wow. my friend miguel who's the drummer um from florida he grew uh ended up here in Boston with his partner for a while. And then now they live in Philly. So, Oh wow. Um, yeah. So I think it's going to be cool. It's going to be a That's really awesome. fun ex experiment. You know, yeah. That kind of want to let me ask you, I was wondering if, did you ever have a coheed phase? Cause that sounds very like, absolutely. Weird. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I was a dude like coheed in Cambria and at the drive-in. Did you have it at the drive-in phase at all? Or did very little bit, but yeah. I was more of a Mars Volta guy, but Mars yeah. Volta, that makes sense. Yeah, everyone's Mars Volta. So the reason is like I got into at the drive-in through Mars Volta. I found out about Mars Volta first, and I was like, oh, they sing the song in Spanish. And then I looked up at the drive-in videos, and uh, I, I'm pretty sure like no, three quarters of them. There's Omar uh, Rodriguez Por Lopez. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, Rodriguez Lopez. He's uh, uh Puerto Rican. I think Cedric and the bassist were Mexican. And I think the drummer was Lebanese, but I remember they were really mixed. And I was like, oh, shoot, this is like so cool. And I remember I saw them like play like at uh, this show, this fest in Australia. And I see them like just going fucking crazy and like swinging the guitar and like microphone shit. And then I just see like the Puerto Rican flag on like over his orange amplifier. And I was yeah. Like, oh. And then I remember I saw like a Coheed uh a live DVD of when they're at Starland Ballroom in Sayreville, New Jersey. And you see like, uh, like Claudio Sanchez takes his guitar and sings into it. And on the back, you just see like a Puerto Rican flag of his like lightning bolt. Uh, That's amazing. Guitar. So I was always like, oh man, they're we're, like sprinkled around and like the random looks like the, the lead singer of Glassjaw. Um, I don't know if you ever got ahead of Glassjaw's phase. I, I didn't, but I had a, a head automatica phase. Oh, really? To his project. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I know head automatica. I was always like, man, fuck head automatica is not as hard as glass job. That's but my sister loved head, head automatica. Yo, head automatica was a like knowing that head automatica came after glass jaw. I was like, dude, this is great. Yeah. You yeah. totally <laughs> got like because you know, glass jaw is great and they're heavy yeah. and they got a very different vibe from the yeah. pop head yeah. automatica which i think is really great yeah yeah definitely 
um that's so cool that you're uh doing that project with your friend i'm excited to hear about that um so i was but i'm also curious now that like you know you say you speak you speak probably spanish with your family yeah at home now um i was wondering how your identity as like an emo kid as someone that's getting to like you know all this different type of music um how was that interacting with uh back home where you did you kind of keep that separate from your family or you're like yo i like this band and they're like cool um, supportive, or they're like that's kind of weird now that i think about it there was one time where it kind of bridged together maybe in like middle late middle school and early high school there i found this band called panda and they were like a my chemical romancey type thing from mexico and they were oh. great um, so that was the only time that my brother and my two cousins, um, from Colombia, they were really into them as well. Um, so that was the only time that like, we, I, like my family was also kind of with it, yeah. but by the time that I got into DIY and like started playing my own shows, my parents came to like the first couple of ones and they were like, why are you screaming? And like, <laughs> why are you doing these things? And then Classic. they were just like, yeah, exactly. And they were just like, dude, we'll support you full on but uh, i think we're just gonna stop coming to the gigs and i'm like that's cool <laughs> that's totally rad and uh it hasn't been until now that i released the kind being stuff that i feel really comfortable showing them that and they're like oh we like this this is All like right. understandable music you know? <laughs> and uh yeah that is a really great funny. album by the way if you if you're listening to this and you haven't heard it yet you should check it out it's really dope also thank you our very own matt hall plays trumpet on it on a couple tracks. Absolutely. Maddie Hole bringing the magic. Bringing the magic. Bringing that bringing that home. Oh right man, everywhere. I well I can't show you cuz I'm talking to you on my phone, but there was this one of the first people that uh picked it up from Bandcamp. They messaged us and said the uh the horn lines melted my brain. Oh my and god. And I and I immediately sent that to Matt cuz I was like, "You did it. Like you absolutely <laughs> did it. You killed it." Damn. It is really good. Um I want to. I want to ask how how that's how that release has been going, and have you've been getting good feedback, and are you trying to go more into it? Are you trying to do new music? What? what are your um, yeah. So the kind being stuff actually ended up being really kind of a. It blossomed really quickly because it's me and uh, Tommy, uh, from. Uh, Jesus the Dinosaur, if you know him from his solo project, he used right. to be in a band called the Dingo Babies mm. in Berkeley. Um, but yeah, so it's the two of us and, uh, it is basically, uh, a project where like Tommy and I will bring, you know, very basic songs, kind of like on an acoustic guitar. And yeah. then I'll go into my phone on GarageBand and make beats. Whoa. Um, yeah. So it's like super sus, but <laughs> it's like a, it's a very fun process. And, uh, we kind of like decided sort of on this like bizarro indie rock aesthetic that is reminiscent of the 90s but like mm. not exactly that um so the so it's like been great and we've gotten a lot of great feedback from the record the record got itself together in like a few months which was really fast wow. and like really cool um yeah. and i did i recorded it all in my room you know oh, with nice. this mic that i'm using right now so like it nice. the budget for it was like literally non-existent and we kind of just like created this magical thing out of nothing and i feel really proud of that that's awesome um yeah that's so really we're good. working on some new stuff and uh kind of thinking about how to expand it maybe gonna track some live instruments this time 
Um, and it's been sweet because I think the whole vibe of that band is, I don't think, the name isn't necessarily saying that like we are kind beings, but I see it more as like a, a goal, you know, like I mm. want to be a kind being. And the, a lot of the lyrics uh, explore kind of like who we are as people and how we get through things and how that relates to like other people, you mm-hmm. know, and like how that relates to like our interpersonal relationships and like, I don't know. Yeah. So it's just kind of stuff like that. And I'm stoked to grow it more, you know, um, yeah. now that, you know, we have some stuff out and like people know about it, you know? Yeah. That's really good. There's a, uh, I had a student whose mom, his mom's Colombian and, she wanted him to learn the song by this like singer songwriter guy, this like folk singer, Colombian guy. Oh, uh, is it like El, El Joven? No. Oh my gosh, it's gonna bother me. But it was like this really kind of it kind of reminded me of kind of being it's just like this dude is acoustic guitar, really basic chords. That's why I taught him. Um, but like the music's like really sad and like real, but like really heavy as well. And like I feel like I love that. Especially like with like South American music, not so much like the cumbia stuff, but but more like the ballads and like the like the, the folk singer stuff, whether it's like Colombia or, or like Brazil or Venezuela. I feel like a lot of that has a lot of like emotional depth to it that I kind of feel like exists in your music as well. I don't know if you've, you ever noticed that. Yeah, the what I like to think about it as is that my understanding of the harmonic content of a lot of Latin American music is I consider very romantic. Mm. Um, There's a lot of emphasis on like, you know, dominant chords and diminished chords, like kind of where you don't expect them to be. Yeah. And um, yeah, I love that a lot. And um, like, it's just really funny to to think about like the things that shape us like heavily Uh, for the kind being record specifically. Yeah. One of my, references sonically and like i guess musically was the first shakira record mm. which sounds it sounds really close to like um like an alanis morissette type yeah record. that's when she was like the colombian last i remember that i rem- I remember that era of shakira. yeah and that was absolutely fantastic like you know yeah. sounds like the 90s very cool um and yeah. then shortly after shakira kind of takes like more uh command of her like middle eastern uh yeah arabic thing to it and it's great you know and they're the like uh i'm trying to think of the specific song but like it's very like harmonic minor type yeah and it's super cool and i think melismatic singing kind of stuff yeah where she does like not the yodel but like something similar to that yeah it's iconic iconic shakira i love that too i think i would talk about that the other day about that era of Shakira. There's one song where she has that monologue too. Do you know what song I'm talking? There's like a like famous song where she kind of like starts talking. <laughs> like she just, I don't know. She just riffs or something. Oh man, I got I got to send it to you after I after this because I got find it so sick. You're just like yeah. really like '90s alt rock, and then all of a sudden she goes into like a monologue about this like relationship. I'm like, oh damn, and then she goes singing again. Yeah, she's had such a such a wild career, and it's yeah. so like a, a very dense discography. Yeah, but yeah, it's and been life. great. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, She's been married to a famous Spanish uh, football player. Pique. Yeah. Pique. Yeah. Right. 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 Yeah. That's a uh, that's a uh, Tiff's favorite team. He's yeah. in Madrid, right? No, Barcelona, Madrid. I don't know. One uh, of those. Yeah, I think it might have been Real Madrid. Um, Real but Madrid. 
I just yeah. know that they like had these beautiful babies like yeah like, <laughs> super early on and I was like damn like they those yeah. are going to be cute they're going to be yeah. beautiful babies because both beautiful, of them are stunning beautiful people <laughs> produce beautiful babies that's how it works yeah. um awesome dude well thank you so much for doing this uh, I appreciate you. I value you. I wanted to give you a time to uh, this time to shout out anything you're working on, any projects, kind of being or otherwise, or any people or uh, anything you think the listeners should know about. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you can find me on Instagram at you look gauntly. That's kind of like where I'll post most of the stuff for like all the different bands that I'm in. Um, and yeah, just keep your eyes peeled for like new kind of being stuff. Uh, a fun neon pop punk band soon and hopefully that weird concept record stuff sometime soon um that yeah i'll just leave those kind of mysteriously hanging on so people aren't yeah. expecting too much too soon but it's yeah good. thank you for having me this has been awesome of course thanks dude um once again my name is chris lee rodriguez uh i play in the band really from we released an album uh back in march on top shelf records please check that out if you haven't listened to it already uh, and thanks again, man. I appreciate it. This is so fun. Yeah. <laughs>